Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. Welcome to this week's Talk Tennis. We're super excited to have a guest that hopefully a bunch of our listeners already are very familiar with. And he goes by the name of Tennis Nerd, but your real name is Jonas Erickson. He's the founder of Tennis Nerd. He's a play tester. He's a writer. He's a YouTuber. He's a social media influencer, a marketer, a tennis player at the end of the day. Thank you so much for joining us, Jonas. Do you prefer to be called Mr. Tennis Nerd or <laughs> Jonas? <laughs> Either or works, actually, but Jonas is fine. But yeah, yeah, it's become kind of Mr. Tennis Nerd. And people write to me on social media. It's always like, hey, hey, Tennis Nerd. Hey, Mr. <laughs> tennis Nerd. Hey, Nerd. It's all kinds <laughs> of little phrases I get thrown at me. So it, it's either is fine. It's all for the love of tennis, right? So that's why we're all here. So Awesome. And then, of course, joining us today is also Troy, because we couldn't nerd out about tennis without Troy, who loves to go deep into the racket chats and string chats and all the things. So he was a perfect complement to this episode. Troy, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me on and uh, excited to chat some tennis rackets with Jonas. It, it's uh, been a long time coming, watching a lot of your stuff on YouTube over the years. And uh, it's pretty cool to get to meet you through, through the Zoom. Thanks. Same, yeah. same. You're, you're legends in your own right. So I think it's, it's awesome to to chat with like-minded people. Well, is there any chance that you're going to be at BNP? Maybe you'll pop and run into Troy. And It's not completely impossible. I'm trying to get my schedule planned. Like I had the meeting previously with um, the guy who runs uh, the Mallorca Championships and uh, the Mercedes Cup, which I'm usually at, and a few other ones. So hopefully we can arrange something. That would be fun. I mean, traveling for tennis, I mean, sadly with the pandemic, it's been really a, a big challenge for most of us. But but to travel for tennis, whether it's tournaments, going to nice venues and clubs and academies, is, is the best, right? So uh, super fun. So we, we would love, I've never been. Uh, it's an iconic event, iconic venue. So it would be awesome to come there and, and talk tennis, play tennis and all that stuff. Sweet. And then Troy, it sounds like we need to get ourselves over to Europe and go yeah. check out some of those tournaments. Kick yeah, you've off been at the, the Mercedes Cup, right? I was so going to say, that's that where we way. met. We can kick off the grass season at Mercedes Cup with our partners, yeah. Tennis Warehouse Europe. Hopefully we'll be there this year. Yeah, definitely. I've seen some of the courts Jonas does his videos at, and he looks uh, some beautiful places over there. So for sure. <laughs> yeah, the playing on grass is, is difficult, but it's amazing. I mean, I had almost like a religious experience when I was playing there, uh, I think a few months back, September, I think it was last year. And it was just amazing morning, sun, no people around, view over Stuttgart, which is a pretty cool city, and, and just playing on, on grass was, was amazing. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And then the court you play on at home is beautiful too. Like we constantly are like, oh my God. I mean, like we play on a nice court outside as well, but your court is gorgeous. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a, diff, a different one for sure, because there are no doubles lines so for double players. It's, it's a tough one, but, uh, but really fun. It, it, you can run into defense because the, the margins are pretty narrow. So if you hit with angles, you play with players that hit with a little topspin, they can really get you uh, hurt by having to run into the fence. But by the sea, the Mediterranean Sea, it's at a five-star hotel. So uh, nice facilities for sauna. I do ice baths afterwards, which is great for your wow. muscles. So yeah. It's a pretty, pretty fancy uh, environment to play tennis, actually. We got to set life. it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ice baths are really good, I must say. I, I was always, I couldn't even do whole cold showers before, but now I'm like an ice bath guy. I really like, you know, you know, some painful treatment afterwards. It actually helps a lot for, for recovery. I, I Troy has a background in all of the science of physiology and sports science and all the things, but I keep seeing all these people who start ice baths and it's like they go from 10 seconds to 15 to 20 to like a minute. And I secretly want to try it, but I flash back to when I was in college and we did them and it was like the worst pain ever. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. But it, it's when you get into it, it it's like kind of like addictive in a way, you know, that, that yeah. after. Yeah, I've never done the full on ice bath, but I've iced many parts of my bodies for many years playing sports and definitely just like soaking my legs, like from the knee down uh, in an ice tub is very, very good for the recovery. So <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then we have the Sverev brothers. They're pushing their new product now. They invested in this ice bind. Uh, which is like ice leg in, in from German translated, I think. So 
Uh, I think that's cool. I'm looking into actually buying maybe a pair of those. Like you have these pants on with ice coming through them that you do recovery. I mean, there are all kinds of, I've seen other things that do the more massaging, uh, mm-hmm. but this is ice. So something I definitely look into for sure. Not, yes. not a plug. I'm not affiliated. <laughs> I'm not very any extra money yeah. here. Uh, it doesn't need it. But, but if you want to send us some. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, just Feel kidding. Free. We um, have a big read. <laughs> yeah. Theragun also just introduced new recovery sleeves for legs yesterday. I was talking about it. And okay. I'm really, yeah, I really want to dive into that because we're none of us are getting any younger over here. <laughs> no, no, we, we need it. We need it. I, I just had my birthday, so I know how about getting older. <laughs> now, now in the, all kind of ice and rehab stuff, I can. I already have the massage gun. Uh, lazy to use it, but it's great when I do. So, uh, yeah. Same. Okay, we could literally talk all day, but I want to get into specific topics. And we wanted to talk to you about pro stock rackets. I'm going to lean on Troy to lead this discussion because he knows way more than me when it comes to pro stock rackets. And you have gotten your hands on many. And I guess the first question that's probably the most common one that you get is, is it really going to make me play better tennis if I'm using the actual racket that a pro's playing? And what are some of the differences that you see between the rackets that are available for all of us to buy and what the pros are hitting with? It's mainly going to make you play worse tennis. That's usually what I <laughs> what I feel when I'm playing with a pro stock uh... racket. Because uh, many of the pros, that what they use, they're older, like junior rackets that are customized to their liking. So weight added, they're usually quite head heavy comparatively to more you know recreational retail rackets they're not easy to use they usually have quite small sweet spot which works for them they hit you know millions of tennis balls in, in a year and so I, usually they're quite you know humbling to use a pro stock rackets i played with novak and these not rogers yet but i i could imagine it being somewhat similar and, and you really feel like oh wow you know the feeling is nice but it's nothing magical it's just what works for them and I think people get into this like thing that, oh, it's going to change my life. If I just could get four matched PT57As, my <laughs> life is done. I'm going to reach the, the ITF tour now. And that's not how it works. I mean, it's, it's fun to have these, fun to play with them. Uh, but then you, when you hit with them, I have Tommy Haas' personal frame at home, which looks amazing, you know, and something I hit from time to time. But it's just, um, it's demanding, right? It's a swing weight is right up there, 360s strong. And, and yeah, you, you feel like less of a player when you're playing with it, not more of a player. So so I think people really have this perception that it's going to be, there's some magic going on that us mortals cannot buy at tennis warehouse or anywhere else that we, if we could just get our hands on it, it would change our tennis life. But it, sadly, uh, it's not the case. I can say from my own experience, there's no magic. In there. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I've hit with a couple. Um, I know that you've had, you know, quite a variety of pro stocks to hit with. And I hit with um, a Rafa racket from, uh, I think it it was back from like 2010 or 2011. It was like the GT cosmetic. And I know the swing weight was pretty beefy. It was like in the three, 355 range, I believe what it was. It it wasn't, it wasn't like a super heavy racket. It was only like three points head light. So very close to that even balance, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's a different experience. Another one that I got to try was, uh, one of Lauren Davis's H 22s when she was with Wilson and uh, yeah, definitely had a, a, it was a great filling frame, had a natural gut hybrid in it. And uh, there was a lot of, a uh, lot of lead tape around the three and nine, 10 and two as well. So that plays a big part, but uh, yeah, mo- most of them are very demanding frames as far as the way they're set up, as far as uh, maybe just expanding. Like I know that, you know, probably those, these frames are a lot more demanding and uh you make you make you feel like <laughs> it's hard to play with with uh, with the racket but as far as the feel goes maybe just um if you could give your thoughts on like you said the Tommy Haas racket or the PT57A the Murray frame um and this I know the sweet you said the sweet spot can be very small but is there something about the maybe the layup it's hard to say what's inside but that gives you that kind of like sublime feel maybe more so than the material that you've noticed through a, a retail frame yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's something that they they you know get accustomed to early, but it's also like some of these old school frames have a very plush, buttery feel. Like we talk about these words, both you and and I do on my own channel. We talk about these words that kind of go over and over, but it's hard to describe them. It is something in that sensation when the racket pockets in the string bed that just feels very, very nice, and you get kind of addicted to it. But to hit it over and over again, if you're a lesser player, 
and we're more it's more demanding you have to move better uh so so there's something to to some of those old school frames the pt57a is one of the best examples i like the h22 is a great frame as well that many pros like but it's not gonna change your life but it's gonna be a nice uh, hitting experience for sure and i can really understand like mario now playing with this you know, prestige MP mold, the new yeah. one, but yeah. in the PT57A layup. So he still wants that frame that flexes. And I just talked mm-hmm. to a guy who strung his racket mm-hmm. in my podcast uh, the other day, and it still flexes like his old racket, but it's just a bigger head size. So they can get these kind of magical in a way that they can say, I want this in this. And then if it works, it doesn't works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, right? So they go back to drawing board. So that we can't get, the, yeah. but it's yeah. it's still not the easiest to use for sure. Yeah. That's uh that's the one thing I think some, you know, some of the tennis fanatics, people on our message boards that, that crave these pro stocks is, yeah. A lot of them know that the, the rackets might be an older generation of a retail frame, but that, that thought that these manufacturers can tweak the layup, the stuff that you can't see, you know, the, the layup of the frame, the direction of the graphite fibers. I know like Chris Edwards, has been lucky enough to go to like the head factory and build in or Wilson and make his own racket with the graphite tubes and everything. And, you know, it's crazy how many thousands and thousands of different ways that they can tweak the angle of the fibers throughout the hoop to get it to flex different at different points, you know? So that's something that's very kind of like a mysterious thing that I think some people kind of get, get stuck on, you know, Oh my God, the layup of the frame. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's a, it's a fascinating topic. I mean, and I hope I've been scheduled to go to the Kendelbach factory in Austria like twice now, but it's been COVID every time it's a different wave of COVID. <laughs> oh, no. Hopefully now we, we are getting into a place where I could go there because it would be really amazing for a fan of these old school frames, I'm a, you know, a big lover of these old school rackets. And uh, it's, it's so nice to see how they will actually manufacture it. And so much engineering that actually goes into this. Sometimes these guys that actually come up with the molds and the layups, they don't get enough respect and enough recognition because it's, it's quite a lot of work that goes in finding something that plays well for a big audience or just for that one player whether it's Novak or it's it's a big group that for the clash or whatever you you want to you sell you know to the audience. So um, kudos to the guys who actually come up with these uh, layups and molds. For sure, those R and D guys they and they spend years dedicating like yeah. research yeah. and like by the time you see a new launch of rackets, they're already working on a racket that's launching <laughs> in three years. So it's pretty wild. Yeah. They're awesome and they're so informed and they've been in the sport for so long. Most of them, I would say. It's pretty cool. It's it's interesting because they can actually be there and develop like prototypes like on the spot that play testers there can then hit and then try. And that, that would be like a dream thing to be able to say, hey, here's a new mole, here's a new mole. And then just to try that and ah, oh, this place like this. And this, yeah. So it's a play tester's dream, I guess, for all of us. Yes. Um, I was wondering if you guys could both like break down some of these pro stock models. We all hear about the H19, the H22. I know Wilson and Head specifically have some um, rackets that we kind of refer to. Could you guys talk us through what those rackets are playing closer to on the retail side? Yeah, I guess I can start. I mean, the the from Wilson, they have mainly two ones that you see that's very popular. I mean, there's obviously strange ones, P25H25s that are quite rare uh, that not many pros use. Uh, but then you have the H22, like Troy mentioned, which is now the Blade Pro. You can maybe check it out, get it on, on like some forums and whatnot. So the Blade Pro is their more retail-oriented line. And you have the H19, which is the Ultra Pro or the Ultra Tour, which it was called before, which was sold in retail. And I wish they would go back to selling it because that was a really nice frame with some customization not so easy to use in stock form because the stability was a bit wonky, you know, but when you add some lead tape, you, you, you fix that and then the racket plays really nicely. So those are the two kind of Wilson famous one. And they're the 6195. I know you, Troy, uh, as I do love the 6195. I still play with the encode uh, quite frequently. So the 6195 super popular on tour still, uh, demanding, but still gives you a little bit more power than these, uh, more, you know, APT 57, AH 19, which have a higher flex. So, they, they need the 6195 you can still use uh, on pretty you know intermediate level and still have a good tennis session with it so those those frames from Wilson are the ones that I, I think I see over and over again and now also with Radano 
Uh, and you have a few other players. Uh, I think Anisimova as well is using the Steam 100 mold. Is there a is there a designated code for that one that you know of? I know that's really starting to take a, a big, you know, a lot of WTA players that use Wilson. I think uh, Svitolina might be even be. There's quite a few big names. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know the designated. It's a good good question. I think yeah. maybe. The, I mean, there's guys on on the your yeah, forums yeah. that know more about pro stocks than than I do. <laughs> most people. And sometimes it's hard to verify information because it's flying around there like hotcakes, you know. But it, it's uh, it's it's a lot of information there for people who have time to go through it and, and really dive into it. But you see that mold over and over. And and my my you know, if I would be working at Wilson, I would say, hey, we need to re- relaunch this as a retail version. And maybe that's happening. But that's that would be a pretty given selling point where you have to. I mean, obviously, as a racket brand, you don't want these kind of conversations go around. You would rather just you know quit that and say, hey, we have it as a retail version. You can buy it if you want. It's there. Uh, so hopefully they do that uh, if we're Wilson, you know. It's funny with that that pro stock. I almost call it the Wilson WTA pro stock. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a good, good name for it. <laughs> if you look at the close-up pictures of it, it stands out because it still has the white little grits in the throat, just like the original Steam 100. It's like you would think they might even just change those to black. But, hey, you know, it's a one way of telling, you know, oh, she's using it. She's using it, you know, and then you, you can see other parts of it. I think it's like a 1620 pattern for the most yeah. part. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a telling thing. I mean, for most me, like, how do you know, unless I get I get a lot of messages from stringers, from people working in pro rooms uh, via Instagram. Sometimes I get a lot of pictures that I never share with anyone. Uh, because I can't, you know, I, I just want to play ball and be a nice dude, you know, but uh, but you usually see these patterns come up and up again. And one of the things you can easily tell is like Kokinaki, for example, he's ESO 98 that he's using. Pretty easy. You can check like how many main uh, strings there are, you know, in, in the throat piece. You can check the butt cap. Obviously, you see, oh, there's Onyx logo on there. It's a good tell. Uh, you can check some of the, the, you know, mold design. So there are tells like on the steam for example like you mentioned ah those i know recognize those from from where you know and then you know kind of racket it is because usually there's nothing really super fancy it's like something that there's already there that they're using what about on the head side can we talk a little bit about some of the head pro stock rackets because i know a lot of players that have you know been in the sport for a long time they like dream of those old prestiges and what do the pro stocks look like on the head side of things I think the head is the toughest. I mean, it's the most famous pro stocks, like the most famous codes, but there's so many that like endless of layups, codes. So you get a PT57A, which is the head pro tour 630 or 280 in the States. Then you have different layups. So you have A3, like, you know, or A2, A1, and then there's different special versions of those. Uh, so they have an endless array of pro stocks. And, and so many players are just, you know, I, I like this speed pro from 2012 then that's one code. And then you go, but I want it with a little bit of more stiffness. And then that's one code. And then you have a guy like Murray now, he's using a new prestige mold, but with an old layup. And that's like going to be one code. <laughs> so uh, that can become, become quite uh, complicated, you know, and they don't have as kind of these kind of typical, uh, the Wilson ones were very like H19, H22, super famous, 6195, super famous. For head, you have PT57A, Karatsev, uh, Poprin, Ivashka, those guys all use that. And you have all the guys, Tommy Haas, and uh, no offense, Tommy, I love you. Uh, but, uh, you know, so there's many players still using the PT57A, Jill Simon, for example. Uh, but then there are others, obviously, from head that are quite popular. There's the TGT307, quite popular radical mode that's been going around. Uh, people using the feed uh, molds. Uh, the gravity is now becoming quite popular. So the gravity is a new racket that came in and and kind of took a few pro players by storm, like Rublev, uh, Sasha Zverev, obviously using a gravity. And we have uh, Basilashvili, for example, uh, also with the gravity. So mm-hmm. in different formats. And some of those guys, the gravity guys, some of those, like Sasha, for example, I think he goes back to that mold back when it used to, before the graphene speeds, they were like the UTEC IG speeds. And it's funny how those retail frames, the thin beam speeds, uh, 1820 pattern or 1619 that was slightly extended they kind of made the way for the gravity line you know that they the thinner beam it, it's kind of a, a weird thing i think even ash barty kind of goes pretty far back with the yeah. with the 1619 version of of the speed and hers might even be the 27 and a quarter length but yeah the the codes can throw you off because 
like you were saying, it's layup, it's all those things. Even uh, like the PT 57A, if if they drill the pattern differently, 1619 versus 1620, they like change a letter at the end or something like that. Um, yeah, so it's it can be very confusing because I know we did have one uh, prestige mid pro stock that we had kicking around for a while and it was a microgel paint job but it had the 1619 pattern which i don't think oh, ever wow. nice. yeah ever came to to the retail market because when they came out with the the most recent prestige mids they were totally different mold than the old classic one but yeah yeah that, that's a classic that was i mean i mean the pt10 uh, which is called like it's the first the one with the plastic uh, thing above the handle you know uh that that was kind of a, a famous one robin haas said i had his rackets for a while they played really nicely for for a for a below ninety square inch racket. Those could hit a really nice ball. Uh, obviously, it's going to be demanding for after a while, but it was fun actually to hit with those. Uh, I managed to buy them over a Dutch Dutch forum, you know, so it just <laughs> it landed upon them. So that's how it happens sometimes. Uh, but then there are a few pro, pros that actually used the ninety for a long time. Safin, for example, he used that racket as well until I think he switched to the TG two two nine. 3.1, I think it was, um, or 292.1, probably. Uh, that was the Prestige IG mid, which was also a fantastic for a mid-size, just a brilliant frame, you know. So, uh, but those are those are extinct now on the the tour. You don't see those anymore. And much. just to just to go back to what you just said, for those that might have caught that when when Jonas said below a 90 score inch, it's one of those things where we've talked about before where head labeled it as a 93 but it was technically like an 89.5 or 89 because of the the measurement of the outer hoop versus the inner hoop and the way they marketed it i i believe yeah yeah that, that's the question i get all the time it's like oh but it's a really 98 and novax looks like 100 it must be 100 and then you say i mean if you look at the head sizes those square inches they're not much of a difference so if you put like a 95 a true 95 uh, because head used to measure the the outside and the inside reversed from the other brands. So, so the older head rackets, they were actually 95 when they were listed as 98. So that confuses a lot of players and they think it's a 98. Then if you put a 95 on top of a 98, the difference is small. Like it's yeah. not going to be like, wow, you know, you're going to... The differences in rackets come in when you have head size and beam thickness and some mold changes. But then you get a big difference from a thin beam 95 to a like a pure arrow with a thick beam and a hundred square inch racket, that's going to make a, a, a hundred square inch uh, uh, frame. It's going to make a big difference on impact. But but overall, the, the, there are very small differences in, in head sizes. So it's good you pointed that out because people get confused. They say it's a true 93. It's actually 89.5. Quite demanding to use that, uh, as you can hear from the name. Not many players can use that these days, right? Yeah, and even like uh, we were talking about the new Andy Murray Pro Stock, uh, that is now now sold as a 99 or 99.5. But back in the day, that old Prestige that they had, it came in like a 102 head size. It's the same. I believe it's the same yeah. mold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so the, usually what they do is that they, they relaunch older rackets, kind of like you talked about Gravity. That speed was a, a overlooked racket. Like it was a brilliant. Like I hit them both side by side, both the Gravity Pro and that racket, and it, they they are pretty much the same. Like a little bit of a difference in layup, I feel, but overall, like the 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 mold structure that was the same. So that that's smart from them to say, hey, okay, so we're gonna do this. This actually worked. It had some good benefits. Let's relaunch that in three different models and a different name. And cosmetic and then that's that's how it is i mean if it's a good racket it's a good racket so that you can we can remake that x amount of times i think yeah nice it's like the secret menu of tennis i kind of <laughs> want to transition into current rackets but before we go there i want to ask both of you what your pro stock racket would be troy and i have these conversations all the time <laughs> so what would your pro stock racket be pick a racket model pick the year that you loved pick the string pattern pick a specific graphite layup pick a length it's all you get to choose what would it be i'm gonna go with troy first because he probably yeah. already knows his answer and jonas you can you can have a few minutes to think oh man that's a tough one um there's a lot of decisions that i feel like i would have to go into the lab and like ask for a bunch of different requests and then hit them all. But obviously from Wilson, I'd probably go one of the 6195 mold. As far as the layup, I think probably, like you said, you hit the 61 uh, encode. The encode yeah. was, was a pretty sweet filling layup. Um, and then from there, 
I might actually try different drill patterns because like I used 1820 forever and I loved it. And then I got hooked on 1619s when I switched to the V-Core Pro 97, the stand racket. And now when I go back to 1820s, it's like, oh man, this is demanding. It's hard to create those angles. So I'd probably see if they could drill me like a 1620 on a 6195 or something crazy. Uh, I think that would be amazing. And then from there, depending on, you know, what kind of swing weights they could give me, I might even try like an extended, like a 27 and a quarter inch encode 6195 with like a 1620 pattern. That's like in my head right now, like a dream racket. But if the, if it, if it, was extended and the swing weight was, you know, it pushed it up to like 350 or something, then it'd be, it'd be way out of my ballpark. So there's a lot of factors in there, but that, that's just like in a, in a dream world, kind of like a perfect racket, I would think right now. Nice. Sounds, sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that. I was actually thinking of the 6195 as it's one of the rackets I, I pick up uh, from time to time and, and hit with because it's such a good, good stick overall. Uh, I'd love to try it if they could make it in a 98 instead and see if that would open yeah. up a little bit more forgiveness. You know, a 98 would also make the 1820 a little bit more forgiving, a bit more spin oriented. Uh, so that would be really cool. I think they tried with the 100. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't quite 6195 there. So maybe a 98, but uh, it's it's, a, it's on the wish list for sure. And, and also I would love to try Andy's current stick uh, with my own weight and balance because I think he's He's playing with such a heavy stick, this guy. So uh, I cannot manage that. But if I could choose my own weight and balance for that stick with the PT57A layup, more forgiveness, I'm there. I, that would be fun. fun I, would, I would definitely agree with you with the head racket. Like I've thinking about all their different frames, like a prestige, like the one Andy played with the, the 95 prestige, the classic prestige mid plus with the 1619 pattern um, slightly extended, maybe would be amazing. But yeah, if they could find something like in that between the 95 and the hundred, or even maybe like, I'm thinking like a gravity pro in a 98 head size with, That's slightly, a good one, yeah. with a slightly more open pattern. You know, I think we're thinking kind of like in the same ballpark, but yeah. those would be some, in a dream world, they said they sound like they'd be amazing frames. I love that. Yeah, let's make them. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> let's go, let's make it happen. Manifesting for this year. Um, Jonas, what's your current racket of choice? I know you're always playing and play testing and like hitting different rackets, but you know we all have rackets that we come home to. What is home for you and what's the string setup also? I'm just gonna chime in because I was I was thinking of that too. But yeah, I know a, a while back, it's been a while, but I know one of the videos I saw from back in the day. At one point, you were a TechStream Tour 100 310. Yeah, TechStream Tour. That's a good one. And mm. then I know that uh, this is one we haven't talked about yet, but I believe you were hitting maybe a Babolat soft drive, like a Fognini yeah. kind of softer yeah. pure drive. And I know those sound pretty amazing. I never got a chance to hit them. But anyways, I'll let you go on. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring one to, uh, to uh, next time we meet up in Indian Wells, for example. That would be amazing. Yeah, so I've, I've been all over the place, as you know, as you probably have too. I, I think you're you're both a bit more faithful to your racket, which is something I, I lack and I, I need to work on. And my therapist tells me that. No, I'm joking. But, um, so, so, I mean, the Prestige MP from 2019, uh, it's the one thing I come back to. I've added some weight in the hoop, so it's more stable. I like the plushness of that stick. And I can use it with pretty much any poly. Now I've tried it with Lynx Touch in the mains and Lynx Tour in the crosses. And that works pretty well. Now I'm, you know, about honeymooning, right? So uh, oh, yeah. now I'm, I'm with the TF40s. I'm kind of back there with the Technifiber TF40s. I like the new one a lot. I'm playing it now. I'm in Sweden. I'm playing every day indoors uh, with the 1820-305. It has a 333 swing weight. Oh, that's nice. It's nice and chunky. <laughs> and I like that. Uh, with the static weight being lower, it still makes it pretty whippy. So uh, kind of into that. But it, it's the 1820-98 square inch mm. stick with a thinner beam. That's generally where you find me. And the 6195 is always in my bag, the encode. Nice. Uh, and I use a grapple snake tour sniper string 125 gauge now that I really like in that one. And from what I've experienced with some of the grapple snakes, they're really sharp, sharp edges. Is this one of those? No, no, those these are actually very soft. Like I know what you're talking about the cube strings and the stuff they've had in the past. These are uh, uh there's one eight-sided, but it's still these are very soft to string, which is something oh, I like. Yeah. I, I don't love stringing, I, I do it for myself. People ask me, I say no these days, uh, but but it, it's <laughs> something that's easy. You know, don't cut your fingers. My fingers are already pretty much like Rafa's in a way. So um, I try to avoid those super sharp strings. But th those play really nicely, kind of all the power, tour bite in between there as a little bit softer than that. So uh, good strings. 
Cool. Okay. Well, let's talk about some of the new, it's only like February and there's been so many rackets that have come out this year. So let's kind of dig in. You already were just talking about the TF40 update and what you liked about that. Um, we can go straight into that a little bit more. Did you get to test all of them? Did you, do you, when you are testing rackets, do you normally just gravitate towards one you like, or do you try to test the whole family and give, um, a well-rounded discussion about the rackets? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sacrificing my own tennis, uh, <laughs> for, for the <laughs> benefit of my followers and, and, and people to talk rackets. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a difficult situation. I mean, I tell everyone, that I consult with or I talk to or, or people that ask advice, which I'm sure you get all the time as well, uh, that stick to one racket if you can. Like it, it's going to screw up your, your tennis. It's fun. I mean, we can't deny it's super fun. When you're bringing out new rackets, you're excited. You're like a kid, you know, but it, it's going to hurt your tennis a little bit. At least if you're really into playing competitions, you want to play consistent tennis and improve. It's going to be tough. Uh, but I, you know, I try to test each and every model with a pretty open mindset. I've had this kind of, pretty strong diligence to that so that's the the way i approach it obviously uh, you know that some models probably will will appeal more to your game but sometimes you're surprised like the, for example the twist power x100 which is not at all a racket i would normally go for maybe in the soft drive yes i i love that feeling which i you have to try troy uh so it's uh, that one really took me by surprise i was like wow this is like an old aero pro drive the first edition which i really love the sensation uh, and I think you'd like that, Michelle, where you like the kind of crisper feeling. Those mm-hmm. sticks really have that nice sensation, but it's stiffer. Uh, so sticks really impressed me. The TF4 is in my house. Boom Pro pretty much as well as I like the Extreme Tour. Uh, so those sticks are already there, you know, talking to me before we hit. So then I just need to dial in the the lead tape and the, the strings, you know. So, uh, But I, I want to try everything. I try the Clash 108, the new one, for example. I try the oversized frames and sometimes you know you're going to struggle but then you have to put yourself in the shoes of players that use that and see you know okay what can you gain from this what are you going to lose from this and then put it a pretty objective as far as possible mindset to it and real quick just uh you talked about the twist uh twist power did you yeah. try the 97 version and what were your oh, sadly we not that's the one well, that, try uh, that one <laughs> tried. so I, I heard like many things about the tour and the 97 so uh yeah sadly no not uh, possible not in tennis whereas europe where i usually get the demos so that's a little bit of an issue to get my hands on those but that they sound great on paper i mean very good yeah to me it, it, it i mean if you like the feel of the 100 uh you know the weight's even nicer and you get the precision from it so to me it kind of like bridges that gap between like a pro staff 97 and a ezo 98 it's like it's pretty it's pretty sweet that, that sounds like something you can sign me up for actually yeah. <laughs> it's like a good combo yeah no it's good like sometimes we'll have players asking us for brackets they should try because they used to use this and Troy is always bringing that one up and it's like they hit with them and they're like this is a really good racket like and most people are kind of when they see the twisted throat they're like oh that's gimmicky or whatnot but it's a it's cool it's a really solid racket yeah it looks awesome I mean I don't know how it works but uh, (laughs) I don't really care that much it's if it plays well it plays well like it might look whatever you know (laughs) be pink or I'm not so much cosmetic driven I really value the feel. Obviously, maybe if you want to have four and have a matching bag and look like a pro, uh, then that's that's not going to work for you. But for me, it's it's a lot about the sensation and the impact of the the ball is is, is doing kind of. No, I was wondering. I kind of was going to list some of the new rackets we've seen. And is there anything that shocked you, surprised you, good or bad, but hopefully good um, from some of the launches? We saw new rackets from Dunlop. We saw the new E zones. We've seen the speeds. Uh, the booms, the clash, what else? TF40s. What am I missing? Oh, <laughs> you it? got them all pretty got much. Got it? Okay. Was I, that uh, yeah. I, I would just say real quick, out of what he, Jonas already mentioned, but I was really surprised by the Boom Pro. And yep. when I first heard about the Boom line, you know, oh, maybe it has some sort of similarities to maybe like a clash. And then you just kind of hear the name and you think, Oh, it's a boom, you know, maybe gimmicky kind of thing. But that racket, that Boom Pro, and for me, it's much better than the Boom MP just based on my preference and specs. But it's a sweet racket. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I tried it pretty early in, in Stuttgart with your uh, European friends, Tennis Warehouse Europe, and, and that event that you both sorely missed. So it was a nice <laughs> event. And uh, we'll do more of those, hopefully. And uh, no, but I was really surprised as well. Because I, I mean, I thought it maybe, okay, this is going to be a pretty stiff frame. It has the name Boom, which can lead you down the path of thinking it's going to be massive power, high stiffness. But it's actually pretty controlled and, and, and good feeling. It's like a gravity gone to a shrink uh, station. And, and really, it's like a smaller gravity with a little bit, little bit more pop. And I like that 22 millimeter beam. It's kind of my uh, goat uh, beam with, you know, with the 6195, the TF40. Uh, so I think it's, it's a great frame. And I really nailed it uh, there. And I hope to talk to the guy who actually designed it from head. I, I had a brief conversation with him before, but I will see. It will be interesting to hear the thinking behind these products that they bring out. Uh, so, I mean, I think the most impressive part of for all this journey of like this period, you know, you for the same for you guys, you go into these periods where one racket, one racket, one racket, and you're like, woof, you know, how can I keep <laughs> up with all this? But overall, the quality has been been very high. Sometimes you go into periods like, ah, it's not so good. This is mm-hmm. not so, this is okay. You know, you see the point. Uh, but overall, I think they've really thought through their releases, which I think is good. I mean, they're, sometimes they're very small incremental kind of improvements they've made like small tweaks like the tf40 is very very similar uh to the to the previous one why change something that ain't broken i understand that whole thing uh, head does that uh, quite a lot but then there's some new lines boom new wow you know it's actually seems to work and uh so so overall i've been really impressed even the sx300 tour i li- really liked it was super whippy mm-hmm. um you know might need some weight i think you alluded to that michelle in your review but uh, but it, overall quite impressive frame that I thought wouldn't work for me, but actually it really did. Yeah. Awesome. Um, also while you guys are talking about boom, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to plug that you were on our boom zoom. And I don't know when exactly (laughs) that's launching, but we'll definitely link to that. So everyone can check out all of your feedback from the boom and some weird phenomenon. It's not weird, but I mentioned this yesterday, Troy, I don't think you're in the room, but We've been testing the boom for like months, six months, it seems. And all of a sudden there are three play testers. Troy's one of them that like always have a boom really close to them (laughs) or in their hands when they're hitting. So it's one of those rackets that like everyone play tested. It got received really well. But when sometimes we say, oh, I'm going to keep hitting with it. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But it turns out that several members of the playtest team here are still really digging that racket. Mark Boone actually played a tournament with the Boom Pro. So it's cool to see that racket is still kind of like, it's still so new, but now it's really trending and people are enjoying it. Works with his name as well, like Mark Boom. So he right? can go uh-huh. just switch, get some endorsement money straight yeah, away. Yeah, totally. The Boom Stick. Boom, yeah. boom. And I was Boom. actually talking about that tournament. I, I remember we were practicing. We had a hitting session like right before he was about to go play it. And I'm like, you're not going to play with the Yonex 97D? And he's like, no, I need to put new grommets on it. It's pretty worn down. And he's like, I'm playing with the Boom Pro. And I was like, no way. You're See? not playing. This. And then I, I was like giving him a hard time. And then like the next week I found one, strung it up with Hyper G, went down and hit it. And I was like, oh. I shouldn't have given him a harder time. Like, this is a pretty nice racket. <laughs> he keeps getting mad at me because I gave him a hard time too. Yeah. I think it's a good sign when you see, I know it myself, like, and I, people I hit with on a regular basis, they will say, okay, I see this racket because they know I'm crazy. So I bring like eight rackets of different brands and kinds to, and they're like, ah, this is this guy again with the tripod and the eight rackets. Uh, so, but if they see the same racket show up over and over again, that's a usually a good sign. I mean, I know it's a good sign for the racket and for me. Uh, but they also see it like, okay, you really like this one. You know, it's it's there <laughs> week after week, you know, so I, that's that sounds good. You mentioned the honeymoon phase and I wanted to bring up a racket that I'm maybe kind of having a honeymoon phase with, which like normally was never even someone that I'd be interested in. Um, how do you like the new Speed Pro? Yeah, that's that's one of my favorites, actually. I mean, uh, I, I my best tennis I played over the last couple of, of months probably was from a Speed Pro session, uh, really fantastic. I keep hitting it. And I'm like, why? What? What? This isn't my racket. 18 by 20. That's not me. But ugh, okay. Anyways, we can. In a hundred screens, so you get exactly. some some spin from it. Yeah. Yeah. And and Chris told me he really loved that one in the in the Zoom call. So he is making the switch to oh, wow. the Speed. Pro. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not that committed. I have commitment issues. Yeah, yeah. But, Who uh, doesn't? 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Troy. We're done talking about my, my new bow. <laughs> oh no, no, definitely. The speed pro is pretty sweet. I know the, the stiffness rating isn't high on it. It's in the like kind of low 60 range or kind of low to mid, but the, uh, to me that, you know, it's got a little bit thicker beam, what, like 23 millimeters. 23. And it's not pure drive power, but like we were talking about, even though it's got the low, you know, stiffness rating in the throat, it gives you that hundred square inches. It gives you, you know, pretty easy power for an 1820, but you get that, you know, you get that control and that feel from the string bed. So, you know, I think it is a great frame for someone that, you know, maybe was a pure drive player, maybe was an, a head extreme player that doesn't want to go full on flex and control like a blade or a prestige but kind of wants that nice middle ground. And I think another racket that does it, that's been out for a while, but the TechStream Tour 100P Tiff's racket, you know, it's mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. similar in that setup, you know, gives you the pop, gets you the power, the bigger sweet spot, but then the 1820 and, you know, a little bit lower flex gives you control and feel. So it's a, it's a pretty nice, you know, all around type racket. For yeah. Sure. The 100P is, uh, I think most people love the first generation a bit more, but overall it, it's a great frame and uh, something you, I hope they, they now, I mean, you know more than me about this. Usually I'm in contact with, with the Tim, the, the Prince guy, mm-hmm. uh, but, but we need some more tech stream tours because those were great frames. Right. So uh, I, I really look forward to it. even the, the 95, at least the first generation, I didn't try the second generation. Uh, it was just brilliant stick, like old school, but, but very good, very plush, very nice on impact. So, so more extreme tours, please. I think uh, I think Prince has something right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I so. think they're coming, and lot uh, something for everyone in the family. Going back, so we were talking about the Speed Pro, and just uh, kind of talking about head rackets, the Boom Pro. Jonas, you're using the Graphene 360 Prestige MP as kind of like one of your fall fallback rackets, right? You you go back yeah. to it a lot. Yeah, that's my fallback, did, the plus one. Yep. So did you try the update, the 2021? prestige pro the 981820 yeah. yeah yeah i have that uh, but i i can't i mean i tried everything i tried the <laughs> strings it for me it, it's not like yoda would say uh, it it's not really quite there in terms of the sensation it could be you know that you're just used to one i've hit quite a yeah. bit with that yeah. one you know the plushness of the frame you know the graphite fibers kind of slowly break down uh but yeah it's it's i just prefer that feeling and and like i've given it to other play testers or people i hit with that love rackets as well and they just prefer always the black one. Like, oh, why do you like this one? I, I, it's much easier to use the black one. You get more power. It's more stable, blah, blah. And I'm like, nope, I don't agree. <laughs> it's just yeah. I, I love yeah, the yeah, old yeah. red one. So it's just like, it's a personal thing. I tell everyone that, that usually want advice or want to talk rackets. Rackets are so personal. You try as a play tester, as someone who loves rackets and talks about tennis and everything to, to give you the most objective information as possible, but it's all personal in the end. So you need to kind of demo to find what works for you, whether it's the string or the racket or the customization. Uh, so you, there are no really strong rules. There are some, some basic generalizations you can make, but it's very tough to give like, this is the best racket, you know, or this is a shit racket. You can't say that. It's not so easy. You have some work, some racket might work for you, but not for me at all. So that's how I, I see it. That is. Yeah, because I really like the 2021, the Prestige Pro, and I yeah, like yeah, I like the previous it. one too. And I and maybe I mean I really like the cosmetic of the new one, so I, I think it'd be cool to do like a blind test, have them both blacked out, you know. But yeah, uh, it, it's great. funny, it's funny how you say that because I my experience, I I've been using the E Zone Extended, the E Zone 98 Extended for a while, and my favorite of the all the ones I've tried is the 2018 version. And the 2018 version of the E-Zone 98, people crapped on it. They, they're they like, because it, it came right after the DR and everybody's like, oh my God, I need the DR, <laughs> this new one. It has a stiff upper hoop and da, 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 da. And people just hated it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I, I switched to, that's what, that was the first extended E-Zone 98 I switched to. And now that I got used to that one and I've tried all the other versions of the extended, I tried the DR extended and then the 2020 that is currently on the website. And I think the 2018 is like the best out of all three of them. And most yeah. people, most people didn't like that one out of the three generations of extended. So I feel you. Oh, no, I think that's how it is. <laughs> and I have a friend that, I mean, I, I know with the, the, that generation of E-Zone, myself included probably were like eh, this is a bit so so with the sensation and like it's like a counter veil which i wasn't a huge fan of and uh but then you know i have a friend who plays used to play futures 
trained with Feliciano Lopez and everything. He uses that version, you know, uh, and it just loves it. Doesn't want to try. I mean, I've, I've given him so many brackets to play tests and he's not, nah, I'm not, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. So it's so different. Like, and I have friends that I give them a new blade. I say the version eight, seven plush old school. I love that one version eight, slightly lower swing weights, still good feeling. But he would play with a version six because that's what he loves. So it, it's right? so cool. Yeah. You know? The countervail, yeah, that was the countervail blade was probably one of the least liked, but some yeah. people just got yeah. so used to it. And I know? can play, I played with all the blades as I'm sure you have too. And for me, it's the least liked still. Like I've tried, I mean, you can play with it. It's not a bad racket per se, but it's yeah. like, and it's my uh, favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like blades. So <laughs> uh, that's, what, that's what it shows you. Like, hey, it's different. And then, it's powerful, yeah. yeah. And then, and then you got Sisi Pass, who loves, I think that was a 2013, like the black and silver. Yeah. Was yeah, many people his... like that. Yeah. I like the 2015 is very good. That's one of the, oh, best. yeah. I, I switched to that one for a little while. No, no, that's sweet. Like you can add some weights like my, yeah, it's, it's a good stick. Well, we are out of time, but we can keep doing this for, I feel like forever. So just real anyone... quick, I want to get, so we're talking <laughs> about different, different just, just different generations. I'm going to cut Michelle off and I'm okay, going to ask Michelle okay. out of round. all the Roger Federer RF 97 <laughs> paint jobs that you've played from the first gen red and black to, I think you've even hit some labor cup editions, yeah. all black tuxedo which one has the best feel i like the original the red and black but i think i mean is it because it's the most broken in well so for me you guys are talking about all these different whatever it's so nostalgic like my favorite pure drive is the one i used in college like that's what i like that's what i like you know what i gravitate towards i feel like that racket for me like was me saying i like heavy rackets and I'm gonna hit with the same rack as RF. So, and I also just like the paint job. But right now, I've got the all black ones. Um, they're all. Uh, maybe we should erase this from the record because, like, technically, they were all paint jobs. But then there was that whole controversy with the rubberized paint making it feel a little more dampened, a little more muted. I don't know. I like the red and black, the original. Hey. Yeah, I think you're not alone. Like, I I talked to some RF ninety seven enthusiasts who played them all, and they it seems like that's a I didn't love that one particularly. I like the old black one, but maybe that's just a visual thing. Well, right. Yeah. And I and I like the tuxedo because Roger mm-hmm. only used it for a little bit, and then everybody's like, "Oh, the tuxedo's not very good." I'm like, "It's the same racket." And Roger doesn't I, like it though. And the one that I found had a, like a really manageable swing weight. It was like three thirty one or three twenty nine. So I was like, "Yeah, this is a good spec right here." <laughs> yeah, those, those RF ninety sevens. If you find them in the the low three thirties, strong. I mean, they are really nice sticks. Like I, if sometimes you're unlucky, you get that three forty five up to almost three fifty it becomes a bit much, but the, the low 330s, they're really nice sticks. Huh? So yeah, I think, uh, I think Michelle has a couple of 350s. <laughs> I have, I, I, my favorite story right now is like my RFs range from like 328, 333, 341, 351. It's just like 10, which is great because some days you feel strong and some days you don't. And there's something. There's as long as you know which one is which, I think. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> Luckily, they're all labeled. <laughs> but yeah, cool. um, yeah, yeah. Good question. Thanks, Troy. <laughs> we would love our listeners to give us feedback on this episode. If you want to hear more like this, where we're collaborating and chatting with the tennis nerd, we obviously all kind of love to talk about tennis, <laughs> um, all the things. Uh, Jonas, plug yourself. Tell us where we can watch what you're doing and keep up with you and even maybe ask you your opinion on rackets. Sure. Uh, tennisnerd.net is the website. That's the main home for my stuff. Then we have the YouTube channel, Tennis Nerd, Tennis Nerd Insta, Instagram, Tennis Nerd Net, Twitter. I'm pretty much everywhere you look for Tennis Nerd. Uh, <laughs> so I try to keep active. And uh, yeah, always fun to talk rackets and, and, uh, and play tennis, most of all. It's the most fun. So hopefully we can do that at some point. Yeah, definitely get on the court. And Troy, any last words from you on this episode? No, just what he said, man. One of these days, maybe we can hit some balls. And uh, it was a pleasure uh, chatting with you, man. Yeah, let's do more of these. I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to uh, to kill an hour with some fun tennis talk. So that awesome. would be great. Well, I think we're in for it too. So sounds good. And I guess here's a fun last question before we completely end. What is exactly in your racket bag right now? What rackets are in your racket bag right now? Troy, you want to start? <laughs> yeah. So pretty much anything that's Yonix that it, that's extended is probably in my bag. No, but, okay. uh, I have the Ezo 98 plus V core 98 plus 
but I, I play with a lot of Yonex stuff lately and they make some good stuff. Um, I like the 97 330 or the 97H as long as I can find one that's in the low 330s, kind of like the swing weight wise, kind of like the RF. Um, and then probably the one I've been hitting the most is probably the V Core 95 customized. For some reason, I think I'm like Marcos Garone or Carew uh, uh, over at My Tennis HQ, even though I'm not anywhere near as good as those guys, but that racket feels amazing. So. Nice. Yeah, it's a good stick. A lot of people love that. Yeah, me, uh, 6195 encode, always in the bag, pretty much. Prestige MP 2019, customized. And and now been like carrying around the Boom Pro quite a bit. Uh, Head Extreme Tour, because I like to compare them. Boom Pro not customized. Head Extreme Tour, you need weight. I think a few grams of 12 and you're happy. And then I've, I've been testing the new TF40 and I'm comparing it to the old generation which uh i would be interesting to <laughs> to talk to chris about as well because he's been For hitting sure. those quite a bit so uh, yeah those are in my bag right now it usually changes but there are a few regular customers that just pop in there <laughs> nice i'll give my bag real quick we got the old school bright blue extended pure drive uh and prince that's C- the 20 2009 i think the blue yeah and, yeah. The, yeah oh it's yeah. the best one i love that one me that's too <laughs> Um, a Prince Synergy DB or the CTS 26 DB 26 re-release the Capriati stick, uh, Prestige Tour from 2021, uh, a Speed Pro. Yeah. And the Speed Pro from 2022 and RF, actually a couple RFs. And I think that's it. We need big racket bags. I think that's the verdict here. You need the 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 fifteen. I I was gonna say, unfortunately, I have way too big of a bag, and I fill it every freaking day. But uh, play tester problems. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jonas. We will do this again for sure. And uh, happy birthday and happy hitting. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Hitting the courts again tomorrow. It's afternoon, late afternoon here. But uh, yeah, always fun to play some some tennis. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you download your episodes. And be sure to visit our websites for all of the tennis deals at tenniswarehouse.com, tenniswarehouseeurope.com, and tennisonly.com.au. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, happy hitting. Happy hitting.